to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast, where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Peck and Luann Roundy. All right, everyone, welcome back once again to the Impeccable Perspective podcast. And uh, I know what you're thinking. What else could they possibly be talking about now? What other topics could there possibly be that have uh, not been explored? There are infinite topics to talk about on the Impeccable Perspective. Yes, I, uh, that's true. We do have a perspective on many things. Many different things. And we're going to tell you all about them, whether you like it or not. <laughs> well, they could turn us off, but don't do that. No, don't do that. That's crazy. That's bad for ratings. <laughs> we worry about those. We worry about ratings. <laughs> <laughs> with our little podcast. Oh, that is okay. Uh, welcome, everyone. We're always very, very excited to uh, to have you here and have you listening and uh, providing feedback to us. Uh, we just love our tribe and the uh, commitment that they have, uh, how excited people are to listen each week to the podcast. It means everything, and it does uh, keep us going. And so, in the spirit of that, we have come up with another wonderful topic to talk about that uh, I think pretty much affects uh, everyone, I would say, wouldn't you? Yep, every person born on the planet, (laughs) it will affect. (laughs) That's right. Uh, So we have decided to talk about submitting your will to the Lord. And let me be the first to address the elephant in the room (laughs) and say that uh, I struggle with this more than anything myself. We are not uh, talking about this topic because we're experts at it. Or I'm not. It's uh, it's because uh, we uh, we recognize that this is something that uh, everyone struggles with, and it's an extremely difficult uh, thing to accomplish uh, for myself, at least. And uh, you know, we uh, we always end up, uh, I think, comparing ourselves to other people, especially in the church, in the LDS church, uh, because it's the culture does perpetuate this competition where we all have to put on appearances and look perfect, and it does seem like people are much better at submitting their will to the Lord than you or I, and uh, we have to kind of get past all of that. So we have all kinds of talking points today, all kinds of uh, deep thoughts. Uh, Not by Jack Andy, but our, okay. own, our own deep thoughts. Okay, deep thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, now I'm taken back to Saturday Night Live, right? That's right, right. Back into Jack Andy and all of that. But it's... But yeah, willing to submit is definitely a struggle that every person's going to have because it's the natural man, and we have to have that combination of the spirit and the natural man, and the natural man is an enemy to God. And the submitting part is submitting that natural man and being willing to to just let to let go and have faith and trust. I think those are two key words that we both looked at today is having faith and trust in the Lord and being willing to submit to his will and being swallowed up in the will of the Father as opposed to wanting our will, which is so difficult because we, that we want what we want. And that's a hard thing to let go of, of saying, okay, I'm going to let go of what I want and be willing to be open, meek, humble, and submissive to what you want. And that, I think it's a lifelong struggle to continue, a daily struggle for each of us to submit and to ask to submit and be, be aware and present to that. 
Well, I hope it's a lifelong struggle because if it's not, I'm in big trouble. You're, you're in big trouble. <laughs> Don't way, die tomorrow, Joe. <laughs> I'm way behind the eight ball. I got uh, yeah, a lot of catching up to do. Uh, that's been the case. But it certainly seems like it's a lifelong struggle because uh, it's one of the most difficult things to do. And, uh, you know, as uh, I, I wonder if we really truly understand what submitting our will to the Lord actually means because it is a direct um, opposite of the natural man. It's It's in you know, direct competition with the natural man. Literally, uh, our will to submit is going head to head with the natural man who is saying, don't submit, just follow your own will and do whatever you want to do. And that certainly was my experience before I joined the church, uh, clearly, uh, that because that's what the, the world is all about, right? There's no submitting to the Lord when you are living, you know, in the in the world and you don't have, uh, you know, a concept of the gospel or you don't have an idea of what it means, at least. Many people, you know, obviously are aware of uh, Christianity or are Christians, but they don't necessarily um, fully live it or truly understand uh, the the importance of all of this. Uh, because they don't have the knowledge or they just don't well, really care that much. You know, and depends. let's go back in history. Even Christianity and willing to submit to God's will has really, well, I'd like to say it's really changed, but it has changed drastically in as we have become a more of a civil people. Let's go back to the Crusades and how people believed that submitting to God's will was going out and either you join the church or we're going to kill you. <laughs> but That's you can see that, that that was their viewpoint of what it meant to to submit to them, but they were doing it through the natural man way. And, and looking back, obviously, we can say that was not God's will for them to do that, but they had taken it and warped it into what they thought, which was coercion, manipulation, and force to do it. And I think that's still what we struggle with today just in a different way is I want to coerce you or manipulate you or get you to to live God's will because I want you to return back to Heavenly Father. I want to return back to Heavenly Father. But we even do that into ourselves is coerce ourselves and manipulate as opposed to submitting. And, and we're, it's recognizing and becoming aware of am I really submitting or am I going through the motions which would be more like omission as opposed to commission, or am I com committing a sin or committing into um, coercion or shaming myself or telling myself, if you do this, you earn this. That's part of what it would be too, is if you live this, you're going to earn this. That's my will. That's not his will. He has promises, and whenever we're obedient, that he's held to his promises. But that's why in the Bible it doesn't tell us, hey, and this is the Sadducees and Pharisees. Remember, they have this list of everything. Okay, you don't touch the corn on the Sabbath day, and they, they get after the Savior. Hey, you've just sinned. You only take this many steps. You don't you know do these things because they had a checklist, and they believed if they did the checklist, they'd return to heaven, which, again, that's their will. Nowhere does God ever have you seen a checklist. I haven't seen one lately of how to get back to God. Oh, from the culture of the church, well, we do. And there's the problem yeah. where it's my will of, okay, I have my little checklist for the day, said my prayers, read my scriptures, served somebody, um, you know, did my ministering. Okay, I'm going back to, I'm going to make celestial kingdom. That's yeah, Everything you're talking about is exactly the culture of the church. It's not submitting um, you know, your will to God, it's really submitting to their will saying, Hey, this is the checklist you have to follow to get back to God. And, um, it's a good thing the Sadducees didn't have Fitbits back then, wasn't it? 
So <laughs> yeah, can, let me let me look at your Fitbit. How many steps? Oh, yeah, you took over this many. Oh, people would be dying left and right if they had Fitbits back then, keeping track of their steps. <laughs> I had never thought of that. Think about it, yeah. <laughs> That's right. So good thing that technology was safe for today when you don't die for exercising on the Sabbath. Uh, you know, <laughs> so all of that, but, but all of, all of, it's interesting to see because this is what's so like, you know, people in the church would be shocked to hear these kinds of things. What do you mean? You know, that the, it's not the church, it's the culture, right? But they would, they right. would think, but people are in the culture and they don't understand the difference between the church and the culture. Correct. Right? That's the problem. So when you say, you know, the culture of the church, they think, well, no, the church doesn't teach, you know, that, or, or, you know, the church does want us to submit our will to God, and they're just so programmed to think that that's how it is, but it's not, is it? No, it's, and again, let's make sure that we define this like we do pretty much every podcast. The church and the gospel are truth. It is the culture is what people have brought into the mix that has tainted it into, okay, you're going to do it my way, or else it's wrong or bad, and there's shaming, and there's judgment, and the culture is a kind of a societal culture, a church culture that we feel if you don't follow this, we're going to shun you or we're going to tell you you're wrong or bad or that you can't be a part. Like, you know, you, you can't play with us. You can't be my friend because you don't live the way that I, I know to be right. And there's, that was just laced with a lot of judgment and a lot of shaming and, Again, that's not being willing to submit to the Lord. That's because this, the interesting thing I find with the Spirit and I continue to find is it doesn't always necessarily follow exactly what, the, what others or what things you think would, it would follow. The Lord will tell you to do things and it's following those. And, and we're back again to Nephi going back and he has to get the plates and whenever the Lord tells him he needs to kill Laban, I'm sure he's thinking, hold it. I, I, that, that's a commandment, you know, thou shalt not kill, but yet that's what he needed to do. So in submission, we don't always understand it, but it's what the Lord needs us to do to fulfill our, what we have agreed to do upon the earth or what our role and our place on the earth is. And he knows far better than we do because he, he can see the beginning from the end and he knows us completely. And that's our, our job here on earth is to come to find ourselves completely, be ourselves completely, and live true to that without, and now we're back to the scripture, living in the world, but not of the world. That's the difference. I may live in the world, but I'm not of the world in that I'm living in the societal normative. I'm living true to who I am. But you still have to live in the world, right? And right. so the, the problem is we, we separate the two to, to the point where people you know, won't you know, interact with the world or they try and just remove themselves from, from the, the world. world, but you, you can't like, being of the world is what's in your heart, right? That's what that means. Being, being of the world means being, uh, you know, caught up in all the material things and, 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 and just the, what the world preaches and what the world tells you is right. And what the world tells you you should do, that's getting caught up, but that's being of the world, but you're still physically in the world. And so there's a lot of people who won't interact with other people who are not of our faith or their faith or whatever, or all these kinds of things. And, you know, you know, they're just very, there's a lot of really weird people uh, <laughs> in the church, you know, it's like societal uh, weirdness, right? They don't know how to act. They don't understand social cues and things like that. And they can't interact with people who are not like them. And we still have to be in the world, you know, we're in the world. So we still have to understand that this is all around us and it's a part of us. 
That might be a whole other discussion, but I always like to uh, Bring throw up. in my two well, cents worth and get on my soapbox early on. <laughs> Thank you for pulling that out. Get that out of the way. Get that out of the way. Absolutely. <laughs> and the talk that we have based this on is Willing to Submit by Neil A. Maxwell, which is a wonderful talk. I like listening to it. Neil A. Maxwell is very passionate when he speaks. Bring your dictionary and your thesaurus. Oh, yes. And be willing to listen or read it a few times because it's packed with a lot of really dense information. But in it, he talks about how when we're not submitting, we isolate and we pull away and become, it's, it, we're not connected. And submitting means not just submitting to the will of the Lord, but that's, but that's the key. And that's what I really want to bring across today and my soapbox, I guess, I, that I'll put on, is that submitting means allowing. And allowing means whatever's going on in the world, I fully allow and, and welcome that into my life because that's the Lord's will. So sure, there's a lot of evil in the world. Not that I want to be a part of it and, and participate in it, but I fully look at that and say, okay, that's just the Lord loose Satan for him to be a part of this world because that's where our trial comes. That's where we are proven. And it wouldn't happen if there wasn't opposition in all things. And we have to have Satan for there to be opposition. And that is the Lord's will, because if it wasn't, the second coming would happen. And bing, it would be taken away and we would no longer have to worry about that. And that's, so submitting to those things is allowing everything in the world to penetrate, to be a part of me, to flow through me, including the grace that comes from the atonement, including, you know, the things in nature, the things that are created, including all people that I'm connected to. And in submitting to that, I'm, I'm now submitting to the Lord and what he's created for me, which is perfect in the way that he's created it. And it's an acceptance of that. And as soon as I can accept that, I have just submitted to him in, in a very visceral, very um, easy, I, I call it easy way because it's just, it's literally, it's literally at a cellular level of, of living true to what is here in the moment and being present and being grounded and being in the moment and not judging it, perceiving it as bad or wrong, or I want to change it. It's, it's a big topic to, to kind of think about because there's so much that's involved with submitting. And I think we get caught up in just uh, thinking submitting is following a checklist, right? And getting back to the culture on, on a point that you talked about just a little bit earlier, uh, the, um, the, the idea, you know, is uh, the culture of the church will get stuck when we're talking about the traditions of the Father, right? All the things that they say that we should do, thinking that that's submission, but it's just traditions that they're repeating over and over again without even understanding if they're true or right or why they're even doing them. And that is creating a situation where these people are, are being acted upon, right? right Instead as of acting to for choosing them, and uh, Choosing to act for themselves. And you can't submit to the Lord if you're being acted upon because you're literally being told and directed by someone else essentially or something or something else that way and so that's where the culture goes and it takes us into this false sense of understanding of what submission truly is and uh, people think that they are submitting the will to the lord and you, you touched on commission versus omission and that's that's a thing yes you know especially in our church uh, members of the church don't commit sins in terms of a lot of, you know, big sins, you know, stuff that you actually have to go out, actions that you go out and take, whether you're stealing or hurting people or, or killing people or whatever might be happening. You know, not in general, people aren't out committing sins like that. And then, but they don't understand the sins of omission, which are things that you don't do right that you should be doing right omitting to do things which the lord is whispering to you and i guarantee you every listener out there has been 
part uh, has participated in this where the whispering comes and you doubt and you wonder is that just me thinking it or I really don't want to do that right now I don't have time I have what I want to do I have my checklist for the day the checklist gets in the way biggest time here's my checklist for what I and at the end like our, I spirit, feel, our temporal checklist right, right I feel fulfilled because I I did my notice I my there is no he or we in this. My checklist, that means I had a good day. Boy, I, how many times in therapy have I asked people, how are you today? Oh, I'm so great. I have half my checklist done. Because their world revolves and their happiness revolves around their checklist and whether they get it done. How mu- And how in tune have you been today? And what whisperings? Or have you listened to the Lord? Well, I, no, because I know what I want to do. And it's it's gets in the way. It blocks the ability to well, it's hear. it's a distraction. It in is a, a distraction. I mean, we have to do things. We have to-do lists that we have to do each right. day. We, we do have to do whatever it is, work and family and all these things have to be done. We have to prioritize certain things. But I think, you know, I, I am reminded of one of my favorite talks, I guess, uh, is Good, Better, Best, right, mm-hmm. by uh, Elder Oaks. And um, that is simply talking about where we focus our attention. Are we spending our time on activities that are good, that seem to be good, and we're satisfied with that and we think we're doing the right things wherein we're not actually spending our time on the best activities that we should be doing the, the ones that are the highest priority the ones that are most essential let's say for our salvation or for our happiness here and for our uh, relationship with god and all of these things we get kind of caught in that, in that. it's easier to fall into that so now let me weave into that that's i love that talk too one of my favorites and how do i determine what's best because I know what's best for me in my perspective, but if I allow the Lord to tell me what's best, it may be something completely different. Well, the culture also will tell you what's best, the culture of the church again, right? And and a lot of times that that's not what's best. And, and a lot of times it's not even true, right? The, well, yeah. Some of the things that the culture of the church tells us we should be doing because these are just traditional types of activities and things that everyone's always done and they don't even know why we do them, but they're not best for us mm-hmm. at all. But they're just told because that's the, the culture. Again, it's just a spoon feeding kind of mentality and, and uh, it's, it's that, and it's all of the uh, appearance and, and putting on, you know, uh, you know, airs of perfection, right. That, uh, that we're all acting like we're perfect people and when we're not. And uh, it, uh, it, it really just, rubs people the wrong way and, and hurts people because, you know, people who actually think for themselves realize that this doesn't make any sense at all, mm-hmm. right? And I can't do this. And and I'm not like these people. And so now I'm being ostracized. And there's confusion within that a lot of because confusion. totally. And that's where a lot of people end up in the faith crisis is I'm confused because I have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and I go to church and I'm not feeling that faith being strengthened. I'm feeling judged. I'm feeling condemned. I'm feeling shame less than not good enough because you are not like me or you are not doing the things that I do in whatever way that they're struggling at that point in time in their lives and and it's that's not again the Lord's will if if you were to truly listen to the Lord his will is to love everyone right where they're at but if you're constantly being told or or feel like you know that you're obviously being judged and uh, you know people won't come right out and and say things to your face, right? That's, um, you, well, I, mean, I, I beg to differ on that one. I have clients tell me all the time, you know, I went to church and someone said this to me, and I just, I'm, I'm amazed at how blunt some people are and disrespectful to other people's boundaries and their own privacy. 
that it's not up to them to judge. All right, scratch that comment. Okay. We're going to go with the church or the culture, I mean, uh, is, uh, <laughs> is blunt and, uh, and insensitive. Uh, and that's true, actually. I, I know people who've said things, uh, you know, but also I think Mormons tend to put on an appearance of friendliness and love and, you know, and things like that, and then talk about you behind your back. Behind that your back. also goes on, right. too. And that's, that's what I was referring to. But you're right. People do say insensitive things like that. And so my, my point with this is, how can you submit your will to the Lord when you feel like you're not good enough, when you feel like you're in the wrong place, when you feel like nobody likes you and all these things, you're so preoccupied with this and you feel, you've got these bad feelings, right? That uh-huh. you don't belong and that the God doesn't love you and all these things because you're not following a path that someone else says, or you're not following certain traditions and things that you're supposed to be doing, blah, blah, blah. And then how do you submit to the Lord? And I'm not lovable because I'm not meeting up to what their expectations are. And that comes a lot from parents where if I don't do what my parents want me to do, I'm not loved by them because they withdraw their love. Believing I withdraw my love, my child will be more more likely to do the things that I want them to do. But the Lord never withdraws his love, and it's connecting back into that. He loves us no matter how much we mess up or make mistakes, and it's and his love is always around us, and it's opening back up to feeling that. And through submission to, of your will to him, that's where you can feel it. But what's interesting is people don't want to submit their will at that point. They want to push back against it. And the pushback is, oh, yeah, well, if you're going to hurt me, I'm just going to do what I want to do even more because it, the hurt is too much to experience. And I'm finding myself, and I'm finding that if I push back, it's interesting. They feel better because that pushback gives them a sense of power and control. And that power and control is that natural man saying, oh, look, you don't have to feel meek, humble, and submissive that you need that connection from your parents. You need to be your own self, do your own thing, figure it out on your own, which is a message we do send to our kids. We do want them to go out on their own at some point. Don't get me wrong on that. But it's still relying on the Lord and knowing he's always there. And and in all reality, everything we have is from him. And when you really get grounded into everything that I have in my life is from the Lord, nothing I have is from me and what I've done. That's a very powerless place to be in. And people don't like that feeling of powerlessness. They like the feeling of power and control that I can control the moment, control what I want to happen. I want to get married. I'm going to go date. I'm going to date this. Oh, the list, <laughs> this kind of man, this kind of woman, they're going to look like this, behave like this. You know, that's a trigger for me. I, that I know. Whole thing. I don't even want to get into those. Your, people. your, li- don't even, <laughs> your list. Don't even get me started on those people at all. But, but the list continue into, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to take this many credit hours. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to go to graduate school and I'm going to buy a house and I'm going to get, and it, it's all all of these things that we measure, the measure of a man's success or the measure of a man when none of those things, the Lord looketh upon the heart, that's where we measure. How many of us really focus on where our heart is? It's not something others see. And then we're back into the culture of, okay, people see my outside, but they can't see my inside. And wouldn't it be wonderful if people did focus on our inside and were keenly aware and grounded into feeling what's going on with someone as opposed to just looking on the outward appearance. What do you mean, like God does? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's not a bad idea. Not a bad idea at all. And again, that submitting into what the Lord wants us to see, it's a different place of seeing, feeling, and and, and being, and in being aware and being in that. And yeah, and so and it goes, and so in your question, and that kind of went off on a tangent, but it's really leading back to, 
that we need to get rid of our checklist and really just be here and asking, ask, ask, stand at the door and knock. I'm asking, asking you shall receive. It's really asking with the desire of our heart what the Lord wants us to do. And he'll tell us. And then it's the willingness to submit to that and to live that. And that's where the meek, humble, submissive. And now let's go into like a child submitteth to to his father. Our children submit to us because they love and trust us. And they know they don't really have a choice whenever they're young. And, and as they, so if you go through developmental psychology, our children have to have us to survive. Submitting is not something they choose to do. Like when there are newborns, they're so powerless that they have to have someone do everything for them or they would die. And that's, they have that connection so that they get bonded. And that's how the Lord created this. So it, you know, people are born that way. And now they're connected to their mother. They have to have this to survive within their physical realm. So they get connected into it. And then as they develop through the stages of becoming mobile and being able to, to crawl and to walk and to feed themselves, that's when they get to the two, three-year-old stage, which people love. The I do it. My, my oldest said, I do it. I do it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do it myself. They want to do it themselves because they're feeling, and that's where they have this sense of separation finally, like, oh gosh, I'm a separate person. And that's kind of where we're at as human beings. Like we, we have come into this place of separateness and, and it's now connecting back into, I'm part of the whole, sure, I may be a separate being, but I'm connected to everything, including the Lord. And that's where his will can, I submit to his will and I'm willing to let go of, I do this and, and say, I'm willing to do whatever you would have me do, which is, a, a, again, a daily, if not every moment commitment in, in our Minutely. lives. Mentally, physically. Minutely. No, I said minutely. Yeah, minute to minute. Mentally, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So getting back to one point you said that was uh, really poignant uh, <clears throat> when, when talking about submitting and, uh, you know, and, and when we don't submit, we push back, we, we feel powerful, which is true, and that's what we want. No one wants to feel helpless. Uh, it is interesting that, um, you know, well, every, everything, when we, when we talk about submitting and giving to the Lord, uh, you know, we, we give a lot, right, in terms of our time, in terms of our finances, in terms of our talents and things like that. But everything that we give has been given to us first, right? And it's not really ours to give. It isn't because ours to it's give. Ours now, to give. And when you get right. that, it suddenly isn't, oh, I'm giving this to you. Look how great I am. It's, oh, I don't even really own this, It's but I can give because I... I have been blessed with it. Well, exactly. The only thing that we truly have to actually give to the Lord is our is, will. Is our will. And that's right? what Neil and, and Maxwell's talking well, about. Well, exactly. But that's what's difficult is because when we give our will, we're giving up everything. We're, I think we're feeling completely powerless because we now have nothing. We've kind of foregone uh, with all of the, uh, all the temporal things that we could give or whatnot, or we've already been giving those. And now... Or asking for our will, which kind of leaves us naked a little bit, you know, and, and it's a difficult uh, thing to, uh, I, I think, to, to really commit to doing that, to be honest, to fully, completely submit. I struggle with that all the time. Um, why don't we talk about uh, why I struggle with that all the time or why Ooh, people I... struggle with these <laughs> things all the time, right? Like what's going through people's minds? Why is it so difficult to submit your will to the Lord. It's, it's really difficult uh, for me when I think about that in terms of being a member of our church, submitting our will to the Lord 
is is really just turning everything over to him and committing to the gospel 100%. I think a lot of it is turning away from the things of the world. Um, and I, I don't mean like become Amish, that kind of turning away, but I'm just like where your heart is, right? Mm-hmm. We still need to have the things of the world, right, to live and survive. Of course, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff, but it's really kind of where your heart is. But I think for, for me, it's, it's a real struggle with um, giving up some of the temporal things, honestly, right? Uh, and and there, there are certain things that I really love and there are certain things that are important to me. And uh, again, it's not completely giving up everything in, in that way, but it's, uh, you know, things become more of a priority, let's say, or our hearts kind of cling to certain things, right? Mm-hmm. Where we just, we kind of can't get past them. And I don't know, that's something I really, really struggle with. I'm, you know what I mean? I think a lot I, of people I, do. Everyone struggles. Yeah. I struggle with it too. It's a daily struggle of, um, I would rather watch this movie or I would rather um, read this book and it's, it's, or do something I want to do and it's really being in tune with what would the Lord have me do with my day. Even if the bigger one is with my life. And for me, it's really putting myself out there and doing the things he's asking me to do because of the f- I'm a big fear of failure person. I'm afraid to fail, so I'm afraid to put myself out there because if I fail, it means I'm not worthy of being loved. I'm not okay. I'm and I shame myself. There's a lot of shame within that. So if I never put myself out there, then I'm not going to fail. And and there's always a monetary thing. So let's say I'm going to do a monetary. I'm going to invest this much money into this. If I fail, I've lost that money type of, of thing or time or energy because we do have a limit on those things. And it's it's this this fear of and and if so it's easier just to not engage in those deeper more difficult things and to just sit back and half half do, halfway do it or even not do it at all yeah you're right and and uh, you know failure is a thing that, that 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 fear of failure holds people back in every aspect of life and i think that's it's just reframing what that means because you're talking about if i fail then i'm not worthy or I, um, you know, I, I, what, <laughs> I forget what you said, but it's a, it's a mindset where there's, there's fear there because failure equals uh, something bad. And it means that uh, you're not good enough or not worthy enough. It's something when, if we reframe it to help us understand that, uh, f- that, that failure is a learning experience and it's necessary to succeed. It mm-hmm. has to, you can't succeed until you fail at a certain number of times or at certain things to get there. And, uh, you know, again, that's a whole nother topic. I think, uh, we can, we, we can talk about that. Right. But, it, but yeah, but it is just uh, reframing that in your mind where it's like fa- failure is nothing to be afraid of. It's something to be embraced because we learn from it. It's very important. It's uh, along the path to success and there's no other way to get there except through failure. And if we start seeing it in our minds as a good thing and instead of being upset when we fail or thinking that, uh, you know, we're not good enough, look at the failure and say, well, where did this break down? What did I do that caused the failure so that I can change it? What did I learn from this? Great. How can I improve and move on to the right. next step and keep going like that? Uh, again, that's my, you know, Freud moment for that. the uh, I think for me, for it's the, the feeling of failure. The feeling oh, is... Oh, it sucks, right? It, it does. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it's a really negative emotion that I don't... L- don't like to feel and it's difficult because as a child my parents were very guarded we didn't take a lot of chances as a family I wasn't allowed to take a lot of chances as a child and so I didn't really experience a lot of failure and that's so I didn't have that emotion to work through and be able to say oh that's okay I failed now I'm going to pick myself up and go try again or do something again 
I mean, sure, like I learned to ride a bike and everybody fails. You got to fall off your bike and same as walking, right? Skin your knee. Exactly. You have to be able to learn those things. But as you become older, it's, it's this chance. And, and that's the same thing with the Lord that, okay, if I do this and I fully commit, what about me and what I want and what's the, what am I going to experience um, in feeling and in this life, it may not be what I want. And if, what if the Lord asked me to give up my house or my car or my, my life, you know, or these things that are treasures to us, but yeah, all of those things aren't, aren't important whenever you really come down to it. No, they're not, but we can't get past it. I struggle with, with that. And I'm, I'm not someone who's fixated on material things in any way. I'm, I'm absolutely not. Uh, that stuff doesn't really mean a lot to me, but I think it's, I feel like I'm kind of giving up maybe who I am. We can talk about that. I do want to talk and about that's, that. And that's something to get into. It is, it's, yeah, because that's really, I think, ultimately what it is for me. I feel like submitting completely to God's will means I need to change who I am because I look at the people who, at least seemingly, are completely submitted, right? They've submitted everything to God, and these are a lot of these people are church leaders, for example, or, or whatever the case is. And uh, honestly, I just don't want to be like those people. You know, I don't... I don't Which is okay to say. <laughs> oh, I know it is. It's true, yeah. Say, I don't know if I really want to I don't want to act like that, that way. I mean, I mean, they're good people, and they have good intentions. And I, I think, you know, I think a lot of people in the culture of the church don't realize they're perpetuating these traditions and these false truths and things like that because they think that this is really, truly the right thing to do because that's what they've been taught. And so mm-hmm. in their heart, they're good people, but they're kind of misguided that way. Um, this episode is really going to ruffle some feathers, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I like it. It's, it. I like I it. I do like it. It's kind of... <laughs> but it can you be, see that even this is this is taking a chance and it's okay to ruffle feathers because... Sure. People it, need it, to like hear Like you this. said, we welcome feedback and it's good to hear feedback from people. I, I just want to wake people up because... It is. It, people have been lulled into this place of, well, it's it's been a tradition. I'm going to continue to do it, and that's where the culture has, be, has become such a huge part of. And, and again, we call it Mormon because the Mormon is the culture part of it, of Mormonism, and it's not the gospel. The gospel is very. And if you again read conference talks, and President Nelson never tells us to do any of these things. That is not where the church is grounded. It's just where people have taken it. It, it is, and that, that's it's been a problem. It's a generational problem, probably since the beginning of the church, I suppose, and yep. that's ingrained in people. And uh, it, it's it's clearly destructive, right? When you look at the effects of it, and you look at how it makes people feel, and uh, and you know, people just think they have to do things; they're forced to do things. There's no other way, and they're not interested or ready in doing certain things, right? I mean, the, the temple is always. A classic example of that, I think, because it requires so much sacrifice and such a commitment to, you know, to, to play at that level, right, where you are worthy to go. And that's a choice everyone is free to make. And, you know, it, it does uh, a lot of great things for us, uh, you know, if, if you want that, but then not everybody wants that or is ready for it when the culture tells you you should be doing this, right? Whether it's going on a mission or getting married when you're 19, right? And, and, and these kinds of things. And it's just kind of crazy, but people feel like they have to do all of this. And so there's there's a lot of uh, pressure that way. And it, it does have an effect on people. And we all know tons of people who've, you know, either are, you know, got married in the temple and then are not living that lifestyle or they have... Uh, left the church even worse, right, because of the way they've been treated and all these kinds of things. So, yeah, it's a difficult, um, 
it's a difficult situation. We think that this just needs to have a big spotlight put on it and that we need to talk about it and it's uncomfortable. And I think the people who are going to find it uncomfortable are the people who are living it, right? Right. And uncomfortable is a wonderful emotion because it's simply telling you, uh, something in here is really, I'm struggling with, that's why I'm feeling uncomfortable with this. Um, I want to go to part of the Neil A. Maxwell quote and quotes from the talk and the things that, that we have been speaking about, but kind of hone back into this. Um, one of the quotes that I love out of this, it says about being meek, humble, and submissive. Submissive is at the core or the, the center of all of this and about being meek, um, a meekness which re- recognizes God's perfect love of us and his omniscience. By acknowledging these reassuring realities and accepting God desires our full development and our true happiness. And I think that's a key in this, in submitting our will. That is how we fully develop and can become truly happy. Because how many people come to you and say, oh, I really just want to be happy. Well, everybody wants everybody. to be happy. That's it. Everybody does. We are ready even as the learning experiences come. And the learning experiences are not for us to determine. And that's the acceptance and radical acceptance of this is God's learning experience for me. Such meekness requires genuine intellectual honesty, rigorous honesty, owning up to the learning experiences of the past, and listening to the Holy Ghost as he preaches to us from the pulpit of memory. Meaning I'm going to go back and say, oh, now I get where that was. Oh, I really want to be open and honest with myself because we don't like being open and honest. Those things, those mistakes that we made many times, we just want to sweep them under the rug. We don't want to talk about them. We don't want to confess them. We don't want to air our dirty laundry. That's why it's still dirty. It hasn't been cleaned yet. <laughs> that makes sense. Through the atonement. But it's our dirty laundry because we're afraid people won't love and accept us. We're back to that again. But in this rigorous honesty, that's where we give away all of our sins. And if you notice in the scriptures, and this is another great podcast we'll have to do at some point, every person that sees God, his sins are forgiven before he sees God, meaning he's willing to look at all of his sins in a very submissive and completely fully aware place these are all my sins and i'm totally willing to let everybody see them and that's a naked scary place to be that's super scary and uh, you know i kind of went through that when i joined the church um i would say because uh, i you know was living a lifestyle uh, like that and uh, there's a lot of things that uh, i did uh, that brought horrible feelings into my heart and you know and people got hurt kind of thing um just from you know the way you treat people or the things you say to people just because you don't care you don't think that's that's how everybody treats people things like that and there's you know a lot of uh things that do that and uh it was you know facing all of that and uh being very vulnerable with admitting you know those things and and to myself and really Mm -hmm. just understanding that um you know this is not the key to happiness in any way but then once uh, i was baptized and all of that was completely consumed with the atonement and gone it is and i'm very comfortable talking about you know my past and things that i uh, have done because i'm not ashamed of it in any way simply because i know for a fact that uh, through baptism and through the atonement that uh, everything that i had done has been taken away and forgiven and forgotten by right. God. Because your so, laundry's clean from that from Laundry's that clean, on. baby. It's all clean. <laughs> and uh, whites are white and the colors are bright. It's looking good. And uh, so my attitude is, hey, listen, if, uh, you know, if, if God has forgotten and forgiven all of these uh, sins and whatnot, 
and I'm not going to be judged for them anymore, then you have no right to judge me for them. So I'm happy to tell you what I did, and I'm not you know, ashamed of it at all. It, it can be a good you know, kind of a warning sign to other people to say, hey, listen, if you're kind of on this path, living this kind of lifestyle, you know, you, you can, you know, start to expect to have these feelings. You may not feel great about and yourself. And now, okay, I'm going to hop in with the culture because this is exactly yeah. where the culture comes in and bothers me, that whenever people get up and they do talk about their past sins and they're open and honest and vulnerable and people then at church, so let's say they're giving a talk or they're bearing their testimony and they share something that is deep and very vulnerable for them to share and people then either make fun of it or condemn them or judge them or will talk behind their backs about it and that's where the culture is is so shaming and so caught up in not allowing the will of the Lord because that you know what these people are the same as you you if you really are open to what the Lord is wants you to learn and and to his will he just wants you to love them and accept them and see and thank them literally with with your energy and your love thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that with me because i screw up and make mistakes every single day too and and not seeing them as bad or wrong and having that judgment but that's the fear in the church is if i get up and i say something like that everybody's going to know and then no one's going to like me or no one's going to want to associate with me or i'm not going to get a church calling or you know there's all of the fears or these things of what's not going to happen if i let people see who i really am i'm okay without a church calling i don't actually mind that part <laughs> <laughs> we're back to the culture again though right. of uh, my calling means that's how righteous I am, which that's not the truth. Oh, that's stupid. I, I know. know people, they, they do. I, again, we've talked about this, but I mean, people just, you know, they, you know, uh, when somebody's called a bishop, for example, or even a stake president or whatever, they feel that they need to change who they are and act a different way, all these kinds of things. And then all of the, uh, you know, the, these, this royalty attitude where, you know, women, oh, I'm, I'm the bishop's wife, so I'm this and I'm that and all these kinds of things. I mean, it just it, people fall into these roles because they think they have to play them because, you know, the, this is so much more important than anything else. And it's not. It's not at all. And in the Lord's eyes, and this has been said by prophets as well, but uh, every calling is the same. The Lord doesn't care what your callings nope. were. Like when, when you ultimately meet uh, the Savior and, and have your personal interview with him, which all of us will have to do at some point, he's not going to ask you what your callings were or anything like that in the church or whatnot or what you did for a living or how much money you made. He's going to ask you, you know, how you treated people and how you served people, right, and all these kinds of things. So that, that that's a cultural thing where people just, it's, it's, a, it's a hierarchy, right. isn't it's it? It's the desire of the heart again. Yeah, well, it is. It is. It's a natural man saying, hey, you know, you're in this leadership position and you're in charge of all these people or you're in this spotlight now and you're going to be, you know, talking to these people and so you're much better than everybody else and right. all these kinds of things. It's kind of crazy. So, uh, and, oh, and I want to I want to issue a challenge before we leave Ooh. that one point. I know it's only Early like we're on. not to the end, but wow. the challenge that because we have people listen that are in the church, not in the church, but even doesn't matter where you are to be more open and vulnerable. Go to your place of worship, wherever that is, and just be yourself and just be honest in your sharing. If you are speaking with someone or giving a talk. And, and in an appropriate way, obviously, it's not a dump of what you've done in your life, but just being open and honest and really sharing, these are the things I've struggled with and this is what I've learned and helping people to see we are, that we're all real. And, and that's what I love about the AA program is everyone comes in as damaged 
everyone knows that they have an addiction and that's why they're there and they're the most open spiritual vulnerable people based on this entire principle they're submitting their will to god because they know that's the only way they're going to stay sober and they understand this principle far better than people who don't work the 12 steps and that that don't understand that that they have to submit and turn their life and and will over to god that's part of one of the steps turning my life and will over to god and that's how they live every day how they get out of bed I, I agree. That, that's, I mean, you know, addiction is a fantastic motivator for doing that. I mean, these people have a lot of motivation to do that because they have a lot to lose, right? right. Their lives, Including basically. their life or their family. But in all honesty, that's how we gain our life is through doing this. And how many of us are simply going through the motions, living in our little bubble-wrapped world, in our trance. Our, it's the trance of society and the culture. And the trance is, I get up, I do these things, I fit in, I do what everyone tells me to do, and at the end of the day, I'm exhausted, and I just start the whole day all over again, as opposed to letting go of the trance and being fully present and, and accepting and listening, and that never, no, no day's ever going to be the same because I'm no longer just doing what I've been told to do, living. And, and many times people want to be spoon-fed because it's a lot easier than submitting and being open to that. Well, it totally is. And, and you know, for people who don't have addictions, uh, I think submitting the w- their will to the Lord is more difficult because you don't have that motivation. And a lot of times we, we think that we are submitting our will. Right? Totally, but that's it. They think they are. And, and I'm going to go to a quote because this leads right into us. He says, sometimes our holding back occurs because we lack faith or we're too entangled with the cares of the world. And, and I'm entangled with the cares of the world because it's all right, like it's Christmas time right now. I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but it's Christmas. The cares of the world tell us what, Joe? That we have to be uh, focused on uh, presence and buying and uh, consumerism and making sure that uh, we, you know, it's kind of like, well, if you love people, you know, you need to be buying them gifts, right? Things An like expensive that. gift Very on expensive top gifts. of that. And it has to be one that's well thought out and I have to put a lot of time and effort into it or I might look bad or they don't think that I love them. I want to to give something that is going to impress. And it's, those are the cares of the world. And then he says, other times, there's an understandable, tremendous, I can't say it, tremendousness, man, he uses the big words, which slows our yielding because we sense what further yielding might bring. And the further yielding is, I'm going to give up the cares of the world, meaning it could be Christmas time, and I don't buy a thing for anybody, but I just go and spend time with them, and I listen, and I'm present to them, and I love them, and it's it's a whole different shift in in where we're letting go of those things. Um, and then he says we need to break free of our old selves, the provincial constraining, complaining selves, and become susceptible to the shaping of the Lord, um, or that shaping like we're clay and we're malleable. But the old self goes neither gladly nor quickly. And fascinating. It's, it's fascinating because it doesn't go gladly or quickly because it's become habitual. And the older we get, the more habitual it becomes um, in, That's true. in our lives. Because yeah. the, the, we like things and we like patterns and we like to have things kind of go the same because it's easier. Our minds don't have to think about it, which is the, the life of ease that we often have. But it also presents that we're not really open. Just imagine being a pioneer and crossing the plains, and you don't know what we're going to come upon today. That really requires a lot of faith. Whereas you and I probably got out of bed this morning knowing kind of what our life was going to look like, our house, our breakfast, the clothes that we're going to wear, the things that we're going to do. And that's 
now being willing to allow that back into our lives of this this element of surprise or element of I don't know um, what's going to happen and we don't like that that's a that's a very vulnerable place of uncertainty but it's it's living in uncertainty that whatever the Lord brings to me today is exactly what I need in my life well yeah no that, that's very true um, I uh, wanted to uh, talk about also um, when we talk about being sub- or submitting our will to the Lord, you know, you, you mentioned being meek, humble, and submissive, and uh, those are uh, you know very true qualities that we have to accomplish to actually fully submit our will to the Lord. But they're also extremely difficult to do. And uh, I think part of the problem is, uh, again, from my perspective, is that the world has the wrong idea the wrong definition of meek, humble, and submissive, submissive right? Yep. So we've got a couple of, uh, of bumper stickers for you here. And the first one <laughs> is meekness is not weakness. <laughs> bumper stickers. <laughs> gonna, yeah, they, we got some impeccable bumper stickers we're going to start to market. Either that or t-shirts. Can we uh, have a t-shirt? We can do both. There we, can we go. Do both. Meekness is not weakness. Yeah, you guys can vote. Do you want a meekness is not weakness bumper sticker or do you want a t-shirt or both? Uh, we have no problem with, uh, with that kind of consumerism. <laughs> That's good for us. <laughs> uh, but the, yeah, so um, the, the problem is that those words have... Wait, uh, we're going to have merch. That's what it gonna is. We're going to have total merch. There we're going to have impeccable merch. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think that we're doing this podcast for the fun of it? For our health? No way. For the blessings? For the blessings? Yeah. How about the uh, financial blessings, maybe? <laughs> we'll monetize it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's, I know one person who will uh, wear a, uh, a, a meekness is not weakness t-shirt because uh, she loves to, uh, to wear uh, things that are controversial a little bit or, or just you get a rise out of people, not necessarily people. controversial, but just get a rise out of people, make people laugh and, uh, and ask about it. So uh, I know one person who would buy the shirt at least. So I think we're on to something here. Oh, there we go. So that's the thing. Meekness is not weakness, but that's what the world defines it as. So when I was growing up, uh, probably as a teenager, there was an ad. It was for f- professional football for the NFL. And, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, these guys are very, um, you know, very <laughs> rough and driven. And just, you know, there's nothing meek about, you no. know, playing football, right? Like that. But this d- does kind of perpetuate the, uh, the, the the meaning of what everyone thinks that this wor- word represents. And so the, the ad was just a printed ad. A, a, you know, it was a very tough-looking linebacker there look, staring right into the camera. And uh, the caption said, uh, the meek will inherit the earth, but they won't get the ball. <laughs> right? Because you know, life is all about getting the football. Well, I mean, in football, that's what touchdown. it's all about. Yeah, yeah. In football, yes. it is about getting the ball. And, uh, you know, if you're meek, you're, that's cool, but you're not going to, uh, you're not going to win at football. So the, the, the point is with that is it's, it's perpetuating, uh, you know, a meaning and a stereotype that meekness is bad. Meekness means that you're not going to succeed in anything or you'll never get ahead. Submissive, uh, I always think about these mousy little you know, Mormon wives, right, who are completely submissive to their husband and they don't ever voice their own opinions. They don't have an equal vote in their marriage and uh, they just do what the husband says because, you know, they're told from a patriarchal culture that this is what you're supposed to honor your husband, uh, honor his priesthood and things like that. But some people take that too far to mean that I have to be completely submissive, meaning that I am weak. I have no value. I have no say. I have no say. And that's, I think, what the culture of the church, uh, you know, does perpetuate at times. And I think that the culture of society also perpetuates the same kind of view of meekness, humility, submissiveness are all 
they're all weakness, right? They all mean that you're not going to be successful. You're not going to, you know, gain anything by the standards of the world. You're never going to, you're always going to need help or whatever the case is. And you're just never going to amount to anything like that. And that's not true because weakness, excuse me, meekness is not weakness. It is absolutely the opposite of that. When you think about submitting, this is why I think it's so difficult for us to submit to the will of the Lord, because it takes a tremendous amount of strength to do that. It takes a tremendous amount of faith. It takes a tremendous amount of trust in God to completely submit your will to him. And that's where I struggle. It makes me wonder, well, maybe my faith isn't as strong as, as I thought it would be. Uh, I think you kind of have to be superhuman a little bit to, uh, to submit your will to the Lord because you're willing to have the strength and the faith in yourself and in God to say, I know that this is the right thing to do. And I fully trust that everything will work out and that this is what's really going to be best for me. And if I allow the Lord to show me what his will is and what his plan is for me, then I'm going to be the best version of myself that I can be. And that's really, really difficult to do. It takes a lot. I think that's why people can't do it, because it takes true strength and true character. And it's not weakness in, in any way. What do you think? Uh, that's, and that's such an oxymoron. That's where you get into these opposition in all things. And it is difficult that to be able to say that meekness isn't weakness that we come into the church and we want to because in our lives we make things happen if i want to go to school i have to register i have to show up for class i have to read the book i have to listen to the lectures i have to take the test i'm making this happen and we see ourselves as whatever i have in my life i made happen and as children especially children see that and it's learning a different way a deeper way a more humble that humble meek submissive is a more spiritual way of living that as we submit to that we allow that different power that comes and flows into our life that's not a power generated through ourself but it's a strength that is so much bigger than than just the single of myself um, and and it's this fully committing like what you just talked about the faith that it takes to fully commit is is really the beginning of all of this and it's it takes even though we have faith the size of a mustard seed we're we're back to the size of faith that we need to acknowledge that we're in the lord's hands and that we surrender on his terms um it's a total surrender and he says this there's no negotiating and it's yielding with no preconditions i love the preconditions okay i'll surrender if i'm all about the conditions it's like a contract right well, you it's, the, it's it. the bargaining phase. Like, yeah. like, I'll surrender if you do this and this and this, and then I'm okay with it. But that's not the surrender. And if you look at the prophets and the, you know, and the disciples, all of them surrendered and they lived their lives in that way. And none of them lived easy lives. But how many of them grumbled and complained? They didn't because they submitted. And well, Jonah might have run away and you know got swallowed by the whale. He complained, but he got his. Mm-hmm. If the complaining usually didn't help them very much, but it's they they learned to do that, and they had to spend this time in the wilderness to be able to find that connection and renew that connection. Like when the Savior leaves and goes away for forty days, or whenever He tells the disciples, "I'm leaving, but I will be back." They have to find that reconnection into that submission because I believe that even the Savior and Neil and Neil A. Maxwell talks about that. Even he struggled with submitting his will completely to the Lord, and he was perfect. And so if we, you know, all of us are beating ourselves up about, well, how come I can't do this? It's because it's a complete submission of our will. And 
and that is a difficult thing. It's not being casually committed. It's not just being halfway committed, which I believe a lot of us are. And Neil A. Maxwell talks about you're halfway committed, you get half the blessings. Wait a minute, I don't want just half the blessings. I want the fullness. I want the fullness that God has to offer, but the only way to get that is by me fully surrendering, which, which again is like an oxymoron. I'm going to get the fullness by giving everything up. It's kind of like what your mom did when she went into the convent. They're going to have that full spiritual experience by giving. She gave up everything, including her clothing. Like they give everything. Yeah, you're right. Your whole life of having a family, all of that stuff. I mean, or, I'm sorry. It was your yeah. It was your mom. It was it, my mom. It was your mom. Yeah, absolutely. That that did that. And it's that same idea of giving our full heart to Him means I'm fully committing and I'm and I'm giving up the things of the world. But doesn't mean I still don't enjoy them. And there's that balance between the two. And that's where that natural man comes, comes in to that. But the, it, in the culture, the culture doesn't want us to submit to God. It wants us to submit to it. The culture has its own little energy of submit to me, live this way, and I will bring you happiness. I will be the thing through fitting in, through doing what this normative behavior is. You're going to fit into society or fit into this culture of the church. You will be loved and accepted and taken care of. But if you don't, then people are going to shun you, people aren't going to love you, and you're not going to be in the culture of the church. And the culture in that energy prevents us from submitting to God it, it, because the culture in submitting to God, there is no longer, guess what? There's no longer a culture. It has now died off. Right. Wouldn't that be nice? But uh, <laughs> I don't know that that's going to happen. I think that's the second coming. Yeah. And, well, because obviously we as long as we have agency, which is always, as long as we have the right to choose, um, people are always going to choose to uh, support the culture of the church, like choose to act that way and, and treat people that way. And that's the thing. But so it's interesting. People will, because uh, I love that. That is exactly what is going on. People are submitting to the culture. They're not submitting to the Lord. Right. Because they want to fit in and be accepted. Right. Which is, I mean, that's that's horrible. I mean, it's just, it shows to me that you know there's a there's a uh, they're, they're kind of the insecure people I could preyed upon you know in a lot of different ways and this is just another way that that happens because they think like hey if I don't fit in I can't you know participate or I can't God isn't going to love me or I'm not going to be what you know the church expects me to be which is not true it's what the culture expects you to be and uh, and that becomes uh, you know problematic like that so uh yeah it's it's just damaging and again that's the whole motivation for this podcast is to kind of expose all expose all that and so asking yourself am i casually committed and i would challenge again that the majority of us are casually committed and it's taking that leap of faith that's our second bumper sticker oh yes the casually committed there we go are you casually committed (laughs) people will think what is that to my relationship to my marriage but but again think about anything in life am i really casually committed or am i all in because the hard part, like in my first marriage, I was all in and I got hurt tremendously. So it's really difficult to come into a new marriage and let go of that past hurt and say, I'm all in. I'm giving everything. That's, that's okay. It's Amazon. <laughs> it's Christmas. It's, it's Amazon. Christmas. It's Amazon. Um, I'm giving everything and I, I'm willing to be hurt again. And that's the same thing. When we fully commit to the Lord and fully submit to the Lord, then I'm willing for to whatever his will is that that's the blessing in my life and that's where everything that comes and presents to me is a blessing no matter what the challenge or what the the trial of my faith happens to be that's it's from god and and in in this talk he also talks about most of our suffering comes from ourselves but there are times that god allows things to happen which i fully agree with oh he has to and that's exactly right i mean we 
have to understand, you know, in order for us to become perfect, uh, in, in a sense, uh, when we say becoming perfect, we're talking about becoming more and more like the Savior and following his example. Now, it's, you know, this is, people struggle with this, but it's, there's no way to become perfect in this lifetime, no matter how hard you try or how righteous you are. It's just not possible, and that's not the goal. The goal is to get on that path and, and on that eternal journey to become like the Savior and, and basically become perfect. So we can't beat ourselves up about the fact that uh, you have problems and flaws and things like that uh, because it does it takes people down and uh, they they can't uh, function really uh, with that and so um, talking about trials and and whatnot it's interesting in, in terms of all this because we need trials to refine us we need trials to uh, to help us to get past all of the uh, you know the shortcomings and weaknesses that we have and it allows us to have experiences which are not pleasant, let's be honest. Nobody likes trials and challenges, but I think we have that bigger mindset and under, like more of an eternal mindset of understanding God isn't punishing us with the trials. Trials do not equal punishment. God loves us enough to give us a challenge, give us a trial in our life, and to push us kind of beyond our capacities so that we can grow. He's not going to push us beyond what we can handle, but push us out of our comfort zone so that we can grow and be able to um, experience the, the trials that we need in order to become more perfect and, and to get on that road. And it's not easy. And it's interesting in, in terms of submitting our will because I think the Lord will uh, push us in that direction to submit our will by giving us trials. By giving the trials. Right. And that's the submission. So people I work with, I can tell them, you can look at this trial in two different ways, including myself. You can look at it as the Lord's punishing me, or you can look at it like the Lord's blessing me. Uh, and those are complete opposition of the thing. And and so let's like trials like I have a child that dies um, and how difficult and how much that hurts. But yet it is a blessing. Um, I have a spouse that dies and I'm now all alone and financially I don't know what I'm going to do. And I have six children to raise and I'm and I'm utterly alone. And it's a blessing. And, and people in the, the midst of this trial are not going to tell you this is a blessing because it's very difficult. And and my you know latest trial, which is my house caught fire and and I have nothing. You know everything inside of it was destroyed. And I can either look at that like wow what a blessing or what a trial. And the blessing is I'm learning a new way of looking at things and possessions that the Lord has blessed me with that they really aren't important. And it doesn't matter that whatever I had is all gone. It is that I am fully blessed that none of my children were hurt or I was hurt or that things and and things that seemingly were important that I spent time and effort in taking care of or buying purchasing and that's the other thing like it's really given me a new honed view of buying and purchasing things I don't want to buy things because I realize these things aren't really important it's the things that moth and rust doth corrupt I, I don't take with me they don't define me and I don't want them to define me I want to define myself through who I am and and that's not saying that my house and the surroundings isn't important that's important in bringing peace and calm and comfort but it is kind of like the temple that those are places of worship and it's very important what the temple looks like on the inside because it's a place of worship and it's a place of, of where God dwells and I want God to dwell in my home but all of the other stuff is so unimportant and so that trial is really giving me a new perspective I didn't look at it as a blessing though at first there wasn't a whole big blessing of I come home and I have no home 
I came home. That's the, see again the oxymoron. I came home and I have no home. There was nowhere for us to stay. Um, and our friends said, here, just who lived two houses down from us, said, just stay with us. And they cooked for us and they gave us everything that we needed. <laughs> and it became this place for people to serve and love and give in a way that um, blessed our lives. And that's the thing, the blessings that come from it are continuing. And what God's teaching me is, is what I need to mold me, but it's not fun in the moment to have to go through those things. Not at all, uh, and that's where people get caught up, myself included, of course, because we focus on the trial and how bitter it can be, and uh, it does kind of, uh, I think a little bit, it, it attacks our pride. So for example, we may have something happen to us uh, that is uh, difficult. So for in, in your case, and I'm not saying, um, the, the, what your, your case reminded me of, of, of this, but I, I don't know that this is necessarily the lesson that you need to learn perfectly because you're not a materialistic person, but oftentimes we have to lose certain material things in order to understand, right, right. that material things aren't that important, and that gets us on the road to being a little bit more submissive. We may have to be humiliated uh, because we are a prideful person and we have to start to recognize that, hey, maybe I need to kind of um, not be so prideful. I need to focus and work on my pride. It sucks being humiliated. You feel like you're being uh, picked on. You feel like, uh, you know, God doesn't love you. Maybe you're not an emotional person at all and then a trial comes in your life that makes you extremely emotional to the point where you don't even know what's going on anymore. You don't f feel like who you are because you never... Uh, or that emotion. Before. You never felt those right. emotions, you know, or it's been a very, very long time and you're not used to feeling that way. You're used to being a stronger person. All of a sudden you're emotionally um, kind of a wreck, as they say, right? And you, you can't control it. Why is this happening? I don't understand why all these things are happening. And it's, I mean, you know, you don't know the answer for each person. It's kind of up to you to determine why you might be going through this trial. But think about, you know, what is God really wanting me to refine in my life? Do I need to become more uh, humble instead of being prideful. That's why I'm being humiliated. Do I need to really be more in touch with, with my emotions and you know, uh, just maybe be more sensitive to the spirit, let's say, because of that? Maybe that's why I'm having a trial that's creating all these emotions. Maybe I need to take my f heart and my focus off of material things. And it's just not important to necessarily have a 10,000 square foot home to be happy. Maybe, you know, who knows? And I don't know, that, that's, uh, you, you have seemed to, have, I think you, you have brought things into a different perspective in terms of material things from this experience that you had, uh, uh, right? Which is, which is maybe, you know, it's a good thing just to refocus a little bit on that. I don't think, again, that you're a material person uh, and, and focused on those things only. They don't mean that much to you, but uh, maybe there was something you could learn that there always is, and it's kind of up to us. But if we recognize, hey, these trials are happening to us because this is God loving us, and this is him helping us to submit ourselves to him, by giving us opportunities through our trials to become more humble, to become more submissive, to become more weak, meek, <laughs> not weak, not weak, uh, meek. not weak, meek, uh, and and that's kind of how it all works. So I think again, it's just reframing your perspective on those things, and and just sort of seeing it for what it is, and not that oh God is punishing me or God hates me and letting well, why would God ever let this happen to me? It's so hurtful. Think about you know what you're going through and what you're learning and what you can really kind of take away from that. Um, same thing with, um, you know, one thing for me and, and others that I know is uh, getting answers to prayers, right? 
and it's, it's difficult for me to, to get answers to prayers, and it's frustrating. And you pray, and you sincerely pray day in and day out, and you look for, uh, you know, you ask for answers, and you look for uh, inspiration or any kind of revelation that you might receive. You look for a burning sensation in your heart uh, or your bosom, as uh, we say. Uh, one of my favorite words, the giggle words. Is one of, one <laughs> oh, is of that my, a giggle, giggle word? Giggle word is, yeah, bosom is a giggle word for me. <laughs> I don't know, it's just one of those words that, that strikes me funny every time I say it. I love to say it because it makes me giggle like that. Or sometimes, uh, you know, you may get a really generic answer to a prayer um, or it just says, follow your heart, for example. What does that mean, though? What do I do? That's, like, that's where your choice comes in. And right. that's allowing the Lord to work within your life and him saying, Joe, it's up to you. You choose. I trust you. Isn't that interesting? And, and sometimes that's the answer. You. Oh, what oh. a great idea. Imagine that. Because the Gospels are the, the culture's already doing that for me, so I'm good there. <laughs> I don't need God to do it, too. <laughs> oh, that's very interesting stuff. So it is, and I think it's, it's just, you know, I think reframing our mindset and understanding why things are happening and the purpose of it and not assuming that we're a bad person because things happen to us at our trials. I'm not even going to say bad things. You may say, you know, burning down your house is a bad thing. I mean, it is. It's completely inconvenient. It's horrible to watch and to, you lose everything. It's, it's very traumatic, it's actually. It's very traumatic. And the thing is, when I came home, I was very numb. And the, the, uh, luckily, I understand this. And I got depressed afterwards. And yet those are very normal emotions in grief and loss because it was grieving the loss. And it was interesting. It wasn't the loss of the things in my house. It was the loss of projects that my husband and I, because we redid our whole entire house, which was sad also that the whole thing had been re redone to the way exact way we wanted it everything that but we had done a lot of projects together including like laying the whole entire tile floor in the bottom and and it was a project that brought us closer together as a couple in that effort and working together we redesigned the fireplace and we did all of that work together and made the curtain made curtains things like that 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 were things that i remember doing with him all of that was gone and memories it's interesting it's memories and the emotional connection because we're emotionally connected to our homes in fact realtors will tell you that buying a home is not a logical thing it's an emotional thing and and that was more the i grieved that but i really felt depressed for a quite a while afterwards but i realized that's just part of the human experience it's not that god doesn't love me or has left me and that's why i'm feeling depressed it's my humanness that I need to listen to and honor and be aware and embrace that's just grieving and allowing myself that space to grieve the loss of my home and the loss of those memories and realizing that it can be rebuilt to make new memories and new things with my family. And again, that's the most important part, not the, the actual things that were in it. But there was a grieving process and that's honoring and listening to our human experiences that are so important. Um, I do like the part about where he talked about receiving answers and being meek and humble and submissive because he says, only the meek in mind which can be shown and stretched, not those as Isaiah wrote, who are wise in their own eyes, um, receive communication is what he's talking about. And it's that, that whenever we're meek, our minds can be stretched because they're open and malleable and pliable to be opened and stretched to those things of God because whenever we lean into our own understanding our own smallness that's where we don't see the bigger picture which is far grander than what we could ever imagine it is and and uh, you know I, I think 
what we really need to understand uh, about all of this, uh, you know, certainly recognizing trials and what they're for, and then stepping back. There's nothing wrong with having emotions, even, you know, let's call them bad emotions when we talk about depression or when things happen or it's, if it's a traumatic experience. That happens, and, and, and it's okay to have those emotions. I, I think we have to sort of get past them and grieve and get get past those emotions and start to focus on the real bigger picture here, which is what is God, you know, asking me to do? What is God... Uh, giving me an opportunity for what you know attribute do I need to work on what is this doing for me how am I feeling and what did I learn from all of this and ex- and understand that this is an amazing experience for you to become a better version of yourself but also understand that becoming you, you know uh, meek and humble and submissive and especially submitting your will to the Lord is it's a procedure right uh, because it is uh, something that we're asked to do, basically, uh, and it's a commandment, but it's also a process. It's a, and it's an ongoing process. It's an process. ongoing process. It, it completely is. And it's literally an everyday process, because every day I'm faced with new issues that have come from this trial, because mm-hmm. we're still working through insurance issues and um, things to rebuild the house, and every day it's just reaccepting, and it's re and there's a fork in the road, and it's coming to radically accepting it, or trying to live my own will and fighting against it. And I can fight against it or I can just radically accept it for what it is and say, and this is a blessing and I'm going to just accept the moment and continue into this learning and growing from this experience. And that's, and it's a, it's non, it's everybody. Every day it's just coming to that fork in the road. Am I going to accept reality or am I going to fight reality? And acceptance of reality again is allowing God into our lives no matter what that reality is. Absolutely. Yeah. If you think of it in terms, if we draw an analogy of uh, of plumbing, let's say, and uh, you know, in, we we all want to learn and get through trials and get through things. Uh, we would rather, you know, just turn the faucet on and have it pour out water like crazy oh. and just receive everything all at once. But this process, this so all of these things, as we mentioned, you know, submitting your will to the Lord is is a principle. I think that's the word I wanted to use principle. before. There we go. It's a principle uh, that has been taught to us and that the Lord expects us to. Uh, to, to follow, but again, it's a process. And so the, the process happens little by little. Line so instead, line, yeah, right. It is precept here, a little in there, a little, exactly right? uh, everywhere. A little as uh, old MacDonald, I think said, <laughs> that's what I get reminded of when I hear that. So, uh, it is, and we have to look at it, uh, in terms of a metaphor. It's not uh, a fire hose, turn on the faucet, full blast. It's, uh, just drip, drip. Right. Right. And the Subtle other, th- and, the other and thing slow. I've learned in this is letting God prevail in my life. Because when you let him prevail, it really is submitting. That's whenever President Nelson's telling that, he's just saying, submit to the Lord. Let him prevail in your life because he can make you more than you could ever make yourself. That's, again, that's a top 10 talk uh, for sure. Definitely. It really is. Right? That's, that's a fantastic one. Okay. okay. So that brings us to our last bumper sticker. Uh-huh. Which is? Which is, the more hesitation, the less inspiration. Oh. So meaning, the more we hesitate to actually submit our will to the Lord, the less inspiration we're going to receive. And that, that can just be a catch-all term for uh, blessings, answers, um, just you know, improvement, things like that. The, you know, the idea here is just to get on the path to submitting your will to the Lord. It's not easy. Um, if you're coming along with me, it's going to be a slow ride. So if, if that's your thing, <laughs> then hop on board because uh, we're taking the scenic route because I have a real problem with it. But I'm aware and I know uh, that it's something that we should be working on. I know that it is a constant daily kind of uh, activity. And I know that it's okay to not do it right away. It's okay if we just go at our own pace and we just if we keep 
moving that needle forward inch by inch every day, that's great. God is going to love that, and we're going to get to that point. But if we hesitate to get started, we're, you know, we're going to, like you were talking about earlier, we're going to, do we want half the blessings or do, do we want right. the fullness of all the blessings? And am I going to commit today? Am I casual in my commitment or today am I going to commit? Well, you know how I procrastinate. So today oh, might yeah. be a little bit soon for yeah, me. Maybe but tomorrow. Let's maybe just tomorrow. put it off till tomorrow. Exactly. Well, and if I fully commit today, what is that going to mean to others? You know, like I look at my kids and, and materialism to them is a big thing. You know, if I were to say, you know, for Christmas this year, we're just going to I almost laugh whenever I say this. We're going to take everything we were going to spend on your presence and we're going to give it to a family need. They would be devastated. Wow. I know. That it, is a lot, isn't it? It's it, an incredible thing to do, but that's tough. It's tough to break that away. Like who, and, what? And again, they're kids and that's where yeah. there's that. But they learning. have to face their friends in January. And what'd you get for Christmas? What'd you get for Christmas? Yeah. We're back to the culture again. Right. What did you get? Was it as good as what I got? What oh, is, yeah. yeah. And it's, there's comparisons and it's, it's us. It's the same thing of. You know, where am I really at with this? All right, and my last point that I really would like to bring home is my favorite little paragraph or quotes out of this talk. God's counsel aligns us and conjoins us with the great realities of the universe. I could sit on that one for a long time. That he align, God's counsel, what he tells us, aligns us. I'm in alignment and conjoins us, meaning there's a joining of him to me with the great realities of the universe. And so many people see God as the universe. They see this, you know, the universe has your back. I'm in alignment with the universe. And, and God is the universe. And that's where if I am in his will, it aligns with the reality of the universe. And then he continues, whereas sin empties isolates and separates us confining us to the solid solitary cell of selfishness that's completely true it is and, and that's um i you know i think about uh why people don't submit their, their will to the lord and uh you know if you think of in terms of relationships uh there are you know guys who won't commit to their girlfriend to oh. marry to marry them they, right. they won't at all and you know it drives the women crazy like they'll be dating for years and nobody they won't go any further with that and i think that is a, a bit of a selfish that's just one example but anything that we're struggling with doing and giving up in terms of submitting ourselves is a selfishness and it's interesting because you know when you, what you talked about is exactly how the adversary wants us to feel because yes. he's alone he's miserable he wants us to be just like him. And that's the greatest tool right there. Satan, people will say, that's Satan, that's Satan, that's Satan, put that thought in me. No, his greatest tool is that you firmly believe I'm isolated, I'm separate, and that I, I'm, and that I am alone because we're never alone. That, that God's love is always there, that Savior's always there, our Heavenly Father's always there, and so are all the people. Everyone I work with that has depression, anxiety will say i'm so alone in this i'm so isolated no one understands and that's where they have gotten to that space and it's and i'm not saying that depression and anxiety aren't real there are there's a very very realness there is a chemical imbalance part of it but every one of them will report to me i feel so alone that's where reaching out and asking for help from god is so important and turning when you are depressed and you can turn your will over to the lord and say I fully accept and embrace this depression. It's something that you've given to me for me to learn from. It totally changes that depression into a blessing. And people will have a hard time out there. They're listening, they're depressed. It's like, this isn't a blessing. It is. Because what can you learn from it? If you have an illness 
and you say, this isn't a blessing. It is because that's your human experience that God's given you to learn from and ask, how can I be healed? Or how can I work with this? You, you can receive personal revelation. You need personal revelation for those things. And that's where whenever I'm isolated, I no longer ask because I feel so alone. I just give up and I'm, and it's, it's selfish in a way that I feel that I'm so alone that I'm not willing to ask. I'm just willing to only rely on myself, which is a very lonely place that's, uh, that you're not going to receive those things. And it's reaching out and allowing others into your life that brings the blessings to them and allows you to embrace whatever it is that you're struggling with. And there's whatever anyone out there is struggling with, embracing that and saying, and this is God's will and I'm willing to submit to it and learn and grow from it. When we do have those feelings of loneliness, uh, we, we do become very vulnerable. And I think that's when the adversary jumps in and takes advantage of that and starts to uh, you know, talk, put thoughts in our minds that, oh, yes, you are lonely. You need to do this. You need to do that. And he doesn't make us that way. But uh, when we kind of get into that space, he will jump all over that, right? And right. he'll really try to, uh, to bring us down even further from there and give us the idea that there's no hope. There's no hope. And there's no one that, that really loves and cares about you. You are all alone. And that is his greatest tool. Because like you said, he has been cast out of the presence of God forever. And he wants us to liken that unto ourselves. And that's not the truth. We are all in God's presence and we all can partake of that. And he wants us to partake of it because it's abundant and freely given. It's just a matter of being open and willing to do that. Well, that's very true. And, and, uh, you know, the, um, what you said about, uh, you know, trials being blessings, uh, I think sounds ridiculous to everybody, right? <laughs> when you say that, right? True. I mean, most people will say that that's, that does, like, like your, your first thought is that's not true. How could that possibly be? What could this be a blessing? I, I'm hurt from this or, you know, my, my life has been changed forever because of this event and that event. And this is someone really, really hurt me or something important was taken away from me. How could that ever be a blessing? And it's tough. It's really tough. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for uh, the gospel knowledge that we have that, God does test us and try us out of love. It's not out of punishment. It's not because we're bad people. Things don't happen randomly to us because we, we deserve bad things to happen. We have to put ourselves, uh, our mind in the right perspective and understand that um, these trials in our lives are blessings. And it's really difficult to, to think of that when you're in the middle of it. But if you just keep that in your mind and you kind of train yourself to go there uh, and train yourself to trust in God and to know, okay, this is happening because... Ultimately, this is going to be good for me. Ultimately, there's something important that I have to learn to progress as a child of God and to progress as a human being and as an eternal spirit. And this is something that's going to benefit me. And if, if we, I find that if we just kind of can create that perspective and that mindset for ourselves, it does help us to get through the trials. And I've been using that recently and just wanting to trust uh, in God and just saying, okay, this happened and it's not what I wanted and now I'm in trouble or this is going to happen if things don't change, you know, you really panic. But I just say, you know what, I'm just going to trust that the right thing will come along at the right time and that this, and what can I learn from this really? And when you change your mindset, those bad emotions go away and, you know, emotions of wonder and emotions of hope and, and, you know, just emotions of curiosity come into your mind and into your heart. And it's not so bad. Like you can really kind of get through it and it, it just changes. And you start to look at it. It's like, you know what? I'm really glad that that happened because it I learned it this. Shifts. It yeah, everything shifts. shifts. It's a total mind from a shift. negative into a place of uncertainty, right. which is a gift because uncertainty can bring amazing things. 
It is, and uh, it's not easy. I mean, again, that's a process. That is not something you're going to just flip a switch and suddenly trials are, bring them on. I love them. I can't wait. We can't wait to learn. You know, we, we, the natural man in us does not want to suffer. We do not want to be uncomfortable. We do not, do not want anything in our lives to change, especially all the really good stuff. But then where would we be? Where would we grow? We're not here to live a luxurious, comfortable life, and then that's it. No, we're here to be tested and to be tried and to learn to grow because this is one step on a, an eternal journey, journey, which is a whole other podcast episode, I think, which would be a good one. <laughs> but I'm grateful for that information, and, uh, and there we have it. So um, great episode. Once again, uh, a lot of really good things to think about, and, and this is what I love the most about what we're doing is that it is creating a perspective shift in people. It is making people think. It is making people see things in a different way and providing information that they may uh, not have had before or they may have had and forgotten about or just don't think about. And, you know, the idea is to really uh, help us all to understand the pure gospel principles and how we can use the gospel to uh, to really gain that happiness that we all desire in our lives. And uh, in spite of the trials and challenges that life has, just know that it's meant to be that way and God loves you and that you're never, ever alone in any way through all of this. And, uh, and you're going to make it. It's going to be good. Yeah, and I just am grateful for people and their energy spending an hour with us and honoring their energy that is given to us through listening and through being part of, like you call it, our tribe or part of our podcast and their willingness to listen and and, and try and learn and grow in a, in a different way. The Impeccable Tribe is one of the best out there. There's no question <laughs> about that. And uh, we're very, very grateful for it. So thank you all again once uh, again for listening. Uh, we do uh, love to uh, know that you're out there. And uh, we love and encourage you to provide feedback or if you have uh, topics that you would love us to talk about on the podcast, uh, let us know. Please uh, reach out anytime. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. And in the meantime, keep your faith and keep your stick in the ice. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are sold.